what? You have a podcast? Really? Computer. Show the historical documents. Believe me, I know the original Nazis. I was born in Austria in 1947, shortly after the Second World War. And growing up, I was surrounded by broken men. Men who came home from the war filled with shrapnels and guilt. Men who were misled into a losing ideology. And I can tell you that these ghosts that you idolize spent the rest of their lives living in shame. And right now, they're resting in hell. Some of the Nazis were committing suicide, alone and with their whole family. On the streets of Russia today, beer is literally everywhere. It's sold alongside soft drinks. In fact, under Russian law, it's not even considered an alcoholic drink. It's a national tragedy, alcoholism. We live under such conditions when a bottle of vodka, for instance, costs uh, a couple of US dollars. And the same price is for a big bottle of Coca-Cola or Pepsi. As a rule, the Russian drinks until he falls. Some continue drinking even when they're lying down. It's estimated Russians drink almost half the world's hard liquor. For most Russian alcoholics, the only refuge is a humiliating night in a cell, and the so-called sober cells are always full. Alcoholism is the main reason the lifespan for Russian men has dropped to just 58. Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. Yesterday, I started on something that I realized I needed to go a little more in depth on, and I thought I'd start off basically with the war that I am most interested in. Uh, it's World War One. There are no clear heroes or villains. There's incredible hubris. Sheer fucking hubris. By everyone involved. And it broke generations of men and women. Not just the generation that was there. And that's what I really want to focus on is that the actions of this war reverberated through time and space to us. It transferred centuries of colonial wealth to the United States. And history tends to focus on how World War I directly created the Axis powers of World War II. Um, we like to focus on how could somebody like Adolf Hitler rise to power in Germany when he was Austrian, he wasn't even German, and, you know, he's a radical, he's crazy. How on earth could that happen? And the lesson that we learned from World War II was that if you treat your defeated foes the wrong way afterwards you can really set the stage for the future uh that's that should have been the lesson i think um world war one focuses on hitler it shows japan who were a member of the allies allies powers on in the first war you know took a completely different view uh when germany was being carved up at the treaty of versailles you know japan was left sitting there like hey we sacrificed too we fought in this war why is nobody paying attention to us and the lesson they took from it was oh 
we need to kick your butt before you pay attention to us. Okay, message received. We'll just do like you do. Um, and that directly led to their campaign, uh, the raping and pillaging of China and the Koreas and the entire Pacific Ocean, pretty much. And people pay attention to Hitler and Hirohito. They don't focus on even the people who won. And I think that's what's important. France and Britain were broken from this war. Just as much as Germany. The only difference was they won, so they didn't really have anything to gripe about. But PTSD was a very real thing even back then. Shell shock was this brand new phenomena uh, that all of a sudden people started caring about, but nobody knew how to treat it or deal with it. It was just something that happened. Oh, don't pay attention to Uncle Larry. He he was in the war. You know, he's, he's going to say things. He's going to do things. Uh, wives and children would make excuses for their dad being abusive and an alcoholic. That was just kind of what happened because the horror of this war was so intense that... You know, nobody really has done it justice as far as retelling the story in popular media like like movies. Um, you know, th this horror of the war broke the Allies so much that when Hitler and Hirohito were doing their things, the only thing they wanted to do was stop it. It was like appeasement, appeasement, appeasement. These days, we as Americans, like, how could you possibly let Hitler get away with all of this? We look at it because we didn't have the suffering and the pain of that war on our backs. We could look at it and be like, yeah, of course, you should have totally stopped him when you had the chance. But he had willing partners. Okay, nobody went after Hitler when he went into Poland. It was just like, okay, yeah, whatever, man, just just stop. Okay, yeah, okay, you can have it. Like, we don't care. Just, just no, we can't do this again. World War One was absolutely devastating to everyone involved no movie has done it correctly i just watched uh, all quiet on the western front the recent film in german great film uh please watch it, it it's it's wonderful um i think the cinematography award it got is very well earned it, it is a beautifully shot movie however it didn't get there for me i was hoping it would be a little more raw a little more realistic because Every movie that isn't a documentary on World War I always misses the truth. They omit the rats, the mosquitoes, the maggots, the mold that was everywhere. They show the trench warfare, but they always leave out that there was often no time nor the infrastructure to remove the dead from the trenches. And your only hope of surviving during the intense constant bombing was to dig through the bodies of your friends. Like, I am not making this up. There were first-hand accounts, both Germans, French, British, anyone who fought in a trench, at one point or another, if you came home, you either dug through the midsection of one of your fallen friends, or you saw it happen. This was a very real thing, and you did it while being bombed. It wasn't a nice sunny day and you were just taking your time doing it like a madman. You were going full adrenaline, maybe possibly dying at any given second. And you had nothing but a shovel. And the orders were, you have to keep digging. And there was no time to move 
obstacles out of your way. That shovel went down no matter what was underneath you. That's the kind of horror that these people went through. This was a completely different time. This was way different. You know, uh, even in the movie, they'll show when there's water flooding into the trenches. You know, they'll show the, the, the blood, right? You always see the blood. What they don't show, and what they'll never show, I don't think, is that it's also filled with vomit and urine and feces and everything else horrible you can think of. Okay, and these men were covered in it at all times. Again, I wish I was making this stuff up, but living in the trench was absolute hell, and it wasn't just because you were being fired upon all the time. This is the kind of experience that these men had to come home to. Never mind the fact that their countrysides had been completely devastated by this war. Trees were few and far in between during the war. My point is, even the victorious of a war come home broken. The problems caused by battlefield trauma were first identified in World War I. 80,000 soldiers were diagnosed with shell shock. Treatment, varying from electroshock therapy to hypnosis, was largely ineffective. Some men were diagnosed as incurable and remained institutionalized for life. Shell shock was seen as a source of shame and weakness, and this attitude persisted through the next war and beyond. Although rehabilitation programs gradually became available, by the end of World War II, there were still 22,000 ex-servicemen in psychiatric hospitals. In 1940, it was just shell shock, and basically soldiers were being told, pull yourself together. Get a grip on yourself and get out there and be a man. <laughs> An expert in this condition has said to me, what your father had in 1940, because he was never treated, never left him. And all the conditions of your childhood that you have described to me are classic symptoms of um, veterans who were suffering from this serious um, psychological and physical illness. Dr. Diane Miller Somerville uh, is a college professor who writes about the Civil War and the South in general. And one of the things she focuses on is that there were actually a lot of suicides during and after the Civil War in the South. Again, her focus is in the South. I'm not saying this didn't happen to the North, but to a much larger degree. These were the defeated people. These are things you don't think about, right? And she posits that the white men of the South would commit suicide prior to experiencing the combat. There were men who were in camps. They had already been drafted. They were there. They couldn't take it. And they would slit their own throats prior to seeing anything. And that leads you to wonder why. Like, I... I understand why somebody would want to take their life after witnessing something horrific like that. I, I understand it. But why would men want to kill themselves before the battle? And again, I understand like that happening, like fear just taking over. But but she posits that this was a, this was an epidemic. This was actually a real problem. Like there were many soldiers in the south who ended up taking their own lives before ever experiencing combat so what the heck her theory is 
that these people lived under a type of rhetoric that honor, bravery, and loyalty to the cause was above all else. And that these men took their lives because they couldn't think, they didn't think that they could live up to the extremely high standards of soldier masculinity at the time. There was no one to talk to, especially Civil War. Like, psychologists, like, forget about it, no. Because it, it wasn't something that was widely seen, you know. Uh, there were millions, there, there were hundreds of thousands of Americans dead in the Civil War. Why would you focus on this small subgroup, this, this fraction, who killed themselves without ever seeing combat? But it is important because, you know, one of the precursors to fascism taking over is a decline of men and as far as what is their purpose what is what is the point of being a man you know all this you know men kind of become aimless they don't know what to do they're they're broken in some way and then fascism rises and fascism usually rises by telling them you need to be strong you did nothing wrong everything should be gifted to you on a silver platter and you know go on go forth and it explains that, you know, you should be honorable and brave and definitely loyal to the cause above all other things. This is how some of these men became broken. They lived in a world where the expectations were simply too high and there was no way of attaining them. Not only that, it wasn't just an empty fear. If you were a soldier in the Civil War and you ran away rather than face possible death or certain death, you were ostracized by your community. Deserters, you know, they basically had to leave the state. <laughs> but I also want to focus on the fact that this has more to do with just the men. It also affects the women. Southern women uniquely lived in the war zone, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a faraway thing. They were experiencing it straight up. Uh, the famous movie Gone with the Wind points this out, is like, yeah, Sherman's March was a very real thing that destroyed people, right? And yes, they were on the losing side, and yes, their mantra was kind of screwed up, and whatever. I prefer not to judge them for the beliefs that their entire community had. It was the world they lived in. Was it wrong? Sure. It's easy to say with 100 plus years of hindsight. And a lot of them do agree. Uh, there are plenty of uh, examples of women writing in their diaries and uh, sending letters at the beginning of the war. Hell yeah, bring it on. Screw those Yankees. And at the end of the war, we should not have done this. This is not worth any of it. So, you know, they did change their minds. But, you know, you have to understand that their lives, their social networks were completely destroyed. Okay, they didn't have social media. They couldn't connect with anybody. You have to understand, back then all they had was mail and God knows how long that's going to take to get anywhere. But husbands, brothers, fathers, gone. They were alone. And the rural nature of the South, you know, just made the problem worse. In good times in the South, if you, you know, had a farm or whatever, your closest friend or neighbor might be, you know, 10 miles away. That's in good times. If you need help, uh, you know, the, the family down the road is 10 miles away. Well, Sherman's March might make that 100 miles instead because 
they destroyed that farm. They destroyed several farms. And the families that lived there were either killed or they left. It isolates people in more ways than one. The southern women were isolated by geography. After war, the soldiers are isolated mentally. They can't communicate anymore. They can't talk to each other. You know, or they can talk to each other, but they can't talk to the people they love the most. They have this fear of sharing the trauma. First off, they don't want to re-experience it. Secondly, no one is innocent in war. I don't care who you are. You can't tell me you went to a war zone, you were a soldier in battle and did nothing wrong. And that every bullet you fired hit its intended target of a bad guy. You can't guarantee that. It's that unknown even in people who, who think they did right, it's like, you know, I don't know if every bullet hit what I wanted it to and that there wasn't some collateral damage to it. There are a lot of articles right now with uh, the Iraq War 20th anniversary here uh, going over was it a good idea, was it not? And there are plenty of people who say, you know, at the time what we knew, yes, it, it was the right thing to do. But knowing what we know now, no, it was not right to do. But the coming war, the thing I was talking about yesterday with fascism on the rise here in the United States, we have a very real possibility of war coming to us. Maybe not direct war, but, you know, uh, Bill Maher mentioned on his show last time that there were the troubles in Northern Ireland where, yeah, it wasn't war, but there were bombings. There were assassinations. And we could very well see that in the coming months and years if certain things happen. If the right dominoes fall, we could be in that situation where crossing a state line into a red state, if you're in a blue one, will feel like another country and you will be treated like the enemy. Some people are talking about a national divorce and some people are talking about civil war right now. And I really don't think that they, they, they get it, right? We are still in the United States feeling the ramifications of the Civil War to this day. Southerners have joined together in this kind of mutual uh, suffering. And they find community in that suffering. And the Russians have kind of done the same thing because the Russian Empire over the centuries has also kind of had the same thing. That's, that's kind of who they are is they suffer. And it sucks. And they're united behind that suffering. The South does too. Old World War I veterans did. You know, and this doesn't just affect you. War never happens only to the soldiers on the battlefield. What happens at Gettysburg, the Somme, or Hiroshima does not stay there. Not with the people, not with the place, not with the times or the generation. It travels. It reverberates throughout history. We have people raised by broken men running things right now. It takes a long time to get away from this stuff. And people just aren't thinking that far ahead. Going to civil war with your neighbor will affect your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. We're not thinking far enough ahead. We're thinking right now with all this rage and inhospitality and, and lack of communication. We don't want to talk to the other side. We don't want to acknowledge them. We want to just dismiss them. And while, yeah, every now and then I say, you know, yeah, Biden should break out the stick a little more often. You know, some of these people need to be beaten, not 
you know, appeased. But at the end of the day, us as a people, not the government, we need to come together because we really don't want this. No one is thinking this through. This causes generational trauma that will reverberate. And it's very possible the United States is on the verge of entering that phase of life where we're just we're just spiraling down the drain. We could very easily become the way Russia is right now, where alcoholism and addiction is rampant. We need to be very careful moving forward. We need to be kind and we need to understand what's coming because the men and women of the future, if we do this wrong, will seek out a solution by bullet or by bottle. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. I would just like to remind everybody that this show is not monetized. I don't have commercials. I don't ask for any commercials. Uh, if Facebook's got one of those buttons that says, you can reach 500 more people if you pay us $10, I always click no. Uh, there's absolutely no money going into this. This is free software. I use Audacity and a few other things. Um, and it's a one-man show. It's just me. So the way to support the show and make sure that it gets out there is strictly through you guys. Like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, write an email, uh, like us on Twitter and all those things. So thank you very much for listening. Have a good day. To feed a person on an all-plant-based vegan diet for a year requires just one-sixth of an acre of land. To feed that same person on a vegetarian diet that includes eggs and dairy requires three times as much land. To feed an average U.S. citizen's high-consumption diet of meat, dairy, and eggs requires 18 times as much land. This is because you can produce 37,000 pounds of vegetables on one and a half acres, but only 375 pounds of meat on that same plot of land.